Dear glorious Father, Lord, once again, we thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you for all that you've done for us, the forgiveness of our sins. And Lord, we thank you for the blessings, the gift of life, delivering us here safely today, the opportunity to gather before you in your house and to study your word. And Lord, we thank you for these truths that you've given to us to help us to understand your character, understand your plan, and most of all, to make a choice, to make decisions, to follow you, to love you, and to have you be Lord in our lives. Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Jesus, on burying the past. Have you ever needed a little extra money? Absolutely. Have you ever thought about a job or wondered about a job that would quickly bring you in the extra cash you need? Yeah, we're all trying to think about that, right? Well, there was an American Christian college student. And he was running short on money to pay for college. He needed entrance fees and books and tuition. And he knew he was going to need to look for the best possible paying summer job to be back in college the next year. He was going to need money. College is expensive, amen? So randomly searching through the newspaper, one day he come across an advertisement from a company hiring college students to cut lumber deep in the forests of Canada. At first he was hesitant. He knew these lumberjacks were a pretty rough bunch. And as a Christian, he wondered, how would I survive for three months in the summer at a lumber camp amongst these alcohol-drinking, smoking, cursing men? But his need for money was so strong that he applied for the job. And all summer long, he worked with these non-Christian men cutting trees and hauling lumber. At the end of the summer, he received a large paycheck, enough to pay for his college. When he got back to school, his friends asked him, how did you spend your summer? And he shared with his friends what he had done. And then one of them asked him, as a Christian, how did you ever survive with those rough men all summer? They were drinking, they were smoking, they were carousing in town, cursing every day. How were you able to manage that? The young man responded, it was quite simple. I determined that they would never find out I was a Christian. My friends, he hid his faith. He chose money and comfort over loyalty to God. In the last days of earth's history, neutrality will not do. God is calling every one of us to take a public stand. We will not be able to sit on the fence. I've mentioned this several other nights. The entire world will be called to openly and publicly declare which side they're on. The truths of God's word give us something to stand on. That's why our theme is It's in the Bible, I believe it. If it disagrees with the Bible, it's not for me. We need some principles, amen? We need some guidelines. We need some directive. We need a standard. And that standard is God's word. And the book of Revelation, within God's word, reveals a God of incredible love who never forces allegiance, never coerces our will, 
never forces submission. Throughout the book of Revelation, in fact, he invites us to come to him freely. Turn to Revelation chapter 22. Last page of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22, page 1190 if you're using a pew Bible. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Whoever desires. Notice no force. No coercion. But he says, if you choose me, you can take freely. In Revelation, remember, Jesus is pictured as the lamb who dies to gain our freedom. God is calling out a people to be faithful to him. He is calling them to lovingly keep his commandments. And he calls them to publicly declare his loyalty to him. To declare their allegiance to him. So how do we take a stand? How do we take a stand? Well, Revelation points us in that direction. Turn to Revelation chapter 1. Page 1174. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. My friends, does God have a visible symbol that we are washed in the blood of Christ? Absolutely he does. Baptism. Baptism is a symbol of our commitment our loyalty, and our allegiance to Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus himself instructed his disciples with these words. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Page 967. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth, even to the end of the age. Amen. My friends, when we are baptized, we declare our allegiance. We pick a side. We take a public stand. We show the world whose side we're on. But, Like many other topics that we've talked about, many Christians are confused over this basic Bible ordinance. How many kinds of baptisms are there? Some churches sprinkle babies. Others pour water over the head of a baby or a young child. One denomination practices olive oil baptism. I even read of a church that sprinkled rose petals over the head of its youth, declaring that they were baptized. I also read a story once of a church that took its baptismal candidates to the local fire station and hit them with the fire hoses. 
True story, Google that. One pastor took the youth out into the mountains and he supposedly baptized them by letting them lay in the snow and then covering them with snow. When he was questioned about this method, he said it doesn't make any difference whether the water is a liquid or a solid. No? Was this pastor right? As always, we're going to rely on the Bible. Amen? We're going to rely on the Bible to define God's instructions, to define God's ways, so that we know that we're following in His will. And the Bible declares that there's only one true method of baptism. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, page 1126. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. One Lord, one faith. How many baptisms? One baptism. It's the word of God, my friends. One baptism. Now, wouldn't you agree with me tonight that the best way to discover the true method of baptism is for us to discover how Jesus himself was baptized? Amen? He's our our example in all things. If we are baptized the same way Jesus was, we certainly can't go wrong. Amen? Turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, page 968. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, page 937. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus came up from the water, right? The Word of God tells us he came up from the water. Jesus' baptism was by full immersion. It was a significant event in his life, amen? And my friends, your baptism will be a significant event in your life. And there was two special things that happened to Jesus at his baptism. First, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus to give him supernatural spiritual power to face temptation. To face the deception and the temptations of the evil one. The Bible promises that when we are baptized, we too will receive that same spiritual power. Amen? Wouldn't you like to have that spiritual power in your life? I would. Remember, it came upon Jesus. And it will also come upon us. He received power at his baptism. And as we, by faith. If we, by faith, open our hearts to him, we will receive the Holy Spirit at our baptism. The scripture tells us in Acts chapter 10. 
Turn there to Acts chapter 10, page 1063. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. What did he get anointed with? The Holy Spirit and power. The second thing that happened to Jesus at his baptism was the Father spoke to him from heaven. And the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Every time a child of God responds to the call of Christ and is baptized, taking a public stand for our Lord, all of heaven is pleased. All of heaven rejoices. When you are baptized, once again the Father will say, This is my beloved Son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Believers down through the centuries have experienced the joy of making a full commitment to Christ through baptism. Sometimes they've been the only members of their entire family to do so. Sometimes they've been the only members of their entire city or their entire village or their entire tribe. You see, my friends, God always calls us singly and alone. He calls us individually. He certainly did that with an Ethiopian returning one one day from Jerusalem. As the Ethiopian read scripture, God miraculously led Philip to him. Philip explained the word of God to this prominent Ethiopian. He answered his questions And then he made a strong appeal for this man to completely dedicate his life to Christ. And the Ethiopian responded. Thrilled in his new relationship with Jesus, he longed to be baptized. In fact, his request is found in the book of Acts. Let's go there. Acts chapter 8, page 1060. Acts chapter 8. Verse 36. Acts chapter 8, verse 36. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? So the eunuch knew he needed water to be baptized, right? So much for them rose petals. Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. So Philip tells him, hey, here's a requirement. You need to believe in Christ with all your heart. And the eunuch answered, he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He made a public declaration of faith in who Jesus was. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Down into the water. Those are key, that's a key phrase. Into the water. Remember that sprinkling thing we talked about earlier? You don't go down into the water with some drops being sprinkled on your head. It continued. Now when they came up out of the water, if you come up out of the water, what does that suggest? That you were in the water. Amen? Here's some truths about baptism. The Ethiopian 
accepted Christ. He was baptized when he openly accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. His baptism was a public decision that he was going to take a public stand. He was going to choose a side. And both Philip and the Ethiopian went into the water. And as I said, in order to go into the water, you need to be fully immersed. Philip lowered the Ethiopian gently below the crystal clear water as a symbol of Christ's ability to cleanse the entire person of sin. You see, my friends, the whole person must be immersed because the whole person has sin. Every part of us must go under the water because every part of us have sin. We need a lot more than sprinkling. My friends, we need to be cleansed totally. We need Bible baptism, full immersion. In fact, you may not be aware of the meaning of the word baptism. What does it mean? Baptism. The Greek word baptizo means to dip, to immerse, to plunge underwater. That's the definition. And that's where we get our word baptism, from the Greek baptizo. If a Greek woman desired to completely change the color of a piece of cloth, she would plunge it under the dye. The Greek word for that action was baptizo, immerse. Baptism by immersion was certainly practiced by the ancient Christian churches. In fact, archaeology reveals baptismal sites in these churches into the early centuries. Ancient churches reveal the method of baptism used. This is an ancient Christian church site with a baptistry near Ephesus, which today is Turkey. The size of this pool-like structure according to archaeologists and historians, demonstrates that, in fact, those days only adults were baptized by immersion. It's a pretty big pool, isn't it? Here's another early Christian church in Philippi. In the remains of the church, we see an early baptistry where New Testament Christians were baptized by immersion. St. John of Lateran is the second largest church in Rome. In fact, it's the most famous church in Rome after St. Peter's Cathedral. If you walk through the narrow alleyway to the back of the church, you will discover something quite remarkable. A beautiful baptistry. Our Roman Catholic friends practiced baptism by immersion as late as the 13th century. The baptistries in these ancient churches clearly reveal that the church practiced Bible baptism by immersion for centuries. Here's the Leaning Tower of Pisa with a cathedral and a baptistry. Now we're all familiar with the bell tower, right? which is famous because of its lean. But we're not, may not, we may not be quite as familiar with the baptistry behind the tower where our Roman Catholic friends practiced baptism by immersion for centuries. 
One of the most remarkable baptistries in the world is found at Cappadocia in Turkey. It's a city of refuge deep within the caves of southeast Turkey where Christians found refuge from their oppressors, from their persecutors in the Middle Ages. They hid. In fact, we're going to enter one of the rock, carved rock caves into the secret city of refuge and a place of worship. Carved in the rock is a baptistry where these faithful Christians, hiding from persecution, were baptized by a full immersion. My friends, immersion was the practice of the New Testament church, amen? Jesus was baptized by immersion. The disciples baptized believers by immersion. The early church baptized by immersion, and believers throughout the centuries have followed this biblical practice. It was not until the Council of Ravenna in A.D. 1311 that sprinkling and pouring were officially accepted as equally valid as immersion in the rite of baptism. Ravenna. Not Ravenna to the east of here. Why? Why would the church do that? The church introduced sprinkling as a more convenient method of baptism. You see, many people put off baptism until they were near death. And it was very difficult then for them to be immersed. Well, my friends, we've stumbled upon a very dangerous concept here. Convenience. Think about that. Convenience. Over God's instructions. Over God's example. Well, it's not convenient So let's invent our own. Well, you know that not being able to murder people is kind of inconvenient for me today. Well, I mean, I see some smiles and some smirts. It's the same concept. God lays us out a symbol. He gives us an example. He lives the example, and then we choose our own example because his way is a little inconvenient. So gradually, over the years, Sprinkling becomes accepted as equally valid as immersion. Now, my friends, I'm sure you have noticed throughout this series that we have seen many practices that have slipped into the Christian church, which there are no foundation in Scripture. We've talked about several of them, and we're going to keep talking about some more as this series goes on. For example, Sunday worship. Remember, it's not in the Bible. The concept of the immortal soul, we just talked about that a couple nights ago. And sprinkling in the place of baptism has no basis in God's word. You see, my friends, God is calling us back. God is calling us back to the Bible and back to the true biblical method of baptism. So what is the meaning of of Bible baptism. Why this ordinance? Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, page 1089. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. You see, my friends, when we go down into the water, it is saying, Lord, I accept your death on the cross for me. It's saying, I want my old life to be buried, and I want to live new in Jesus. What does baptism represent? It represents dying to the old sinful way of life. Is there something that you did a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, something that haunts you today, something that troubles your innermost heart today? When you walk into the waters of baptism, you are dying to all of those sins of the past. Amen? You're dying to that guilt of the past. You're dying to that condemnation of your past. Everything in the past is cleansed. Number two, baptism buries our sins in the watery grave. Now somebody may say, wait a minute, Dan. Doesn't God forgive me every time I confess my sin? Sure he does. But here's a little question for you. Have you remembered every single sin you have ever committed in your life? I can't. When you walk into the watery grave of baptism, it's saying, God, I give my whole self to you. All the sins I remember and all the sins I don't remember, I turn over to you. Lord, you just count my whole past of life of sin and guilt. Count them all. You know them. Lord, I'm going under the water. And everything is cleansed, whether I have ever confessed it or I didn't. And I'm going to come up a new man or a new woman in Christ. And I'm going to start a new slate. I'm going to begin a new life. Number three, baptism is rising up again out of the water to walk in a new life. It's a new beginning. Now, it's one thing to have a new car, a new suit, a new dress, a new pair of shoes. But I'm going to tell you something right now. The most exciting thing in life is a new life. Amen? Amen. You can walk through the water, and the old life will be cleansed forever. You will have a clean slate before the judgment bar in heaven. You can rise up out of that water to walk in a new life. You see, this is the symbol of the resurrection. Coming up out of that water. The Bible says that Sunday keeping is not the symbol of the resurrection. Baptism is. Baptism is the symbol of the resurrection. You come up out of the water with the Spirit, filling your life to live a new life in Christ. You come up out of that water smiling, happy, and cheerful, rejoicing in Jesus. Now, my friends, baptism doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're committed. It means you've chosen a side. Many people, sadly, think that they need to wait till they're perfect 
to be baptized. My friends, if you wait till then, you will not get baptized. You will never move ahead in Bible baptism if you wait till that day. Baptism does not mean you're perfect. It means you're committed. You've chosen your path. Baptism is not the end of the Christian life. It is just the beginning. It's a new day. It's a new step. It's a new journey. It's a definitive decision to walk through that water. And baptism gives you a new sense of direction in your life. It says, God, I'm yours. I surrender to your will. Baptism also gives us a new sense of freedom. Why? Because now we're Christ's. Now we're Christ's child. Baptism gives us a new spiritual power in our lives. Remember, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. So what happens when we're baptized? Besides getting wet. I was going to cut somebody off from that answer. Number one. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we see every sin is forgiven. And I say, praise the Lord. Turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Page 1053. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many? Everyone. How many people should be baptized? How many believers? Everyone. Now, wait a minute, Dan. What about that thief on the cross story that you told us a couple of nights ago? Was he ever baptized? Why not? Because he didn't get an opportunity to. But my friends, I'm here to tell you, if he could have come down off that cross, he would have headed to baptism. Amen? He would have gone to be baptized. The Bible says that baptism is for everyone, not just a select few. You see, at baptism, every sin is forgiven. And at baptism, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Number two, at baptism, the Spirit is given to us. We see this in Mark chapter 1, verse 10, and Acts chapter 2. Turn to Mark chapter 1. We read this a little bit earlier. Let's go back there again. Mark chapter 1, page 968. Mark chapter 1, verse 10. And immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Now turn to Acts chapter 2. We were just there. Page 1053. Then Peter said to them, repent, and let, how many? Everyone of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What are we going to get upon baptism? The Holy Spirit. You see, my friends, God has a gift for you. When you are baptized, you too will receive the Holy Spirit. 
continues, for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. You see, when God calls you to baptism and you are cleansed, he promises you the gift of the Spirit to empower your life. Number three, we are adopted into God's family. Amen. We become part of a body of believers. God's family. Turn back to Acts chapter 2. We were just there. Acts chapter 2, this time verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Praise the Lord. You see, my friends, when you are baptized, you gladly receive God's word. Now, have you been gladly receiving God's word during this Jesus on Prophecy series? Amen. Have you been learning new truths? How many of you have learned something new? Amen. God bless. You've been learning God's plan for your life. You've been discovering new truths from his word. My friends, it's now time to make a decision. The Spirit of God has been speaking to your heart. It's now time to follow his truth. Many people wonder, how does baptism relate to church membership? Did people who were baptized also join the church? Back to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. He added to the church. When baptized, you become part of God's body of believers. His Sabbath-keeping commandment-keeping people. Just like it says here. Verse 47, it says, and the, church, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. My friends, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. It means they continued to learn about the Lord. They continued to meet in fellowship. They continued to strengthen one another. Now, I ask you now, if you want to belong to a church, do you want to belong to a Bible-believing church? Amen. My friends, God's people want a church that follows in harmony with the teaching of God's Word. And that is a Sabbath-keeping church, too. Amen? Follow the Bible. When you are baptized, your sins are forgiven. When you are baptized, your life is cleansed. When you are baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit. When you are baptized, you become part of a worldwide Sabbath-keeping fellowship all around the world. It is an international community of faith. You see, God is leading people of all nationalities, languages, religious persuasions. He's bringing them into his last day movement. He's gathering them into one final worldwide Sabbath-keeping movement. 
follow the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus, remember? My friends, he's leading men and women today in unusual ways. So are there steps we should take before being baptized? See what the Bible says. First of all, we need to repent. Repent means a genuine sorrow for sin. Have you come to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe that you and you alone can forgive my sins. I believe that you alone are my Savior. Have you said to Jesus, I believe you alone can give me the power to be a new man, to be a new woman? If you have, you have taken the first step on this journey of faith. You see, repentance is being sorry enough for my sins that I'm willing to turn away from them. Repentance means my attitude toward my sins has changed. Number two, believe. An acceptance of Jesus as both Savior and Lord. If you've repented of your sin, if you believe that Christ is your Lord, Savior, and God, then thirdly, learn. Instruction in the essentials of biblical faith. We need to be growing and learning in all of our lives. Amen? Are we doing that? If you understand the biblical basis of faith, the essential truths of his word, God invites you to make that decision to be baptized. During this series of meetings, have you learned new truths about God? About his character? My friends, it's now time to commit to follow Jesus all the way. What if you've already been baptized? Good question, right? What if you've already been baptized? Well, my friends, there is an instance in the Bible where people were rebaptized. I get that question all the time. Is rebaptism biblical? You see, the Apostle Paul was preaching in the upper coast of Ephesus. And a group of people came to him. Turn to Acts chapter 19. Page 1073. Acts chapter 19, verse 2. Acts chapter 19, verse 2. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them about this biblical truth, and they hadn't heard of it. What is this Holy Spirit thing you're talking about? So Paul instructed them more daily, more fully. And though they had once already been baptized by immersion, Paul re-baptizes them by immersion. You see, they wanted to walk in all of God's light. So there are two reasons to consider Bible rebaptism. An individual once was with once was baptized and departed from Christ, but now they long to return to Christ's fold. You see, you don't get rebaptized every time you sin, because if you did, people would be rebaptized all the time. Amen. But if you turn your back on Christ, if you've walked away from him, or you've wandered off from him, baptism by immersion 
is a symbol of death to the old way of life. It's a symbol of burial of our old ways of life in resurrection to the new way of life. If I walk away from the new way of life, if I disavow the things that I once believed, if I turn my back on those teachings and truths, if I turn my back on Christ, rebaptism is an, a wonderful opportunity to recommit to Christ. Perhaps you've come to a series of meetings like these. And God has stirred your heart. God has moved in your heart. And you say to yourself, I want to accept. I want to come all the way back to God. I've slipped away. I've backslidden. I've drifted away. I've wandered off course. And now I know it's time to get serious about the Lord. Christ says, come back to me and be rebaptized. Number two. Committed Christians who have discovered the truth of God's word and desire to be part of his commandment-keeping people. My friends, these are lovely Christians. They love Jesus so much. They love him with all their heart. They come to meetings like these, and they're like John's disciples. They used to have some of the truth, but now they've learned more. They've discovered much more about God. You, too, may have a desire to be rebaptized. It's a choice you may want to make. My friends, if you're a committed Christian, and you've discovered the truth of God's word, and you want to say, look, I want to have the errors of the past washed away. I want to be part of God's commandment-keeping people. If that is your desire, there is biblical precedent for rebaptism. Now, the Bible doesn't say you must do that. But if God stirs you, of course, we would not forbid you. Amen? We would say, come into the baptismal pool. God is calling you. If you are like John's disciples, and you had part of the truth, but now you see his light of truth, move forward. If you are a Christian, by going into the water, you are not denying your Christian experience. You see, when John's disciples were baptized, they didn't deny their previous experience. They said, we have learned a much larger body of truth now. And we want to move ahead. We want to further that truth that God has for us. If, my friends, if that's your desire, then make that decision to follow Christ. So how important is baptism? One time a man named Nicodemus came seeking Jesus at night. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 5, page 1027. John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark 16, 16, page 988. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. 
2 Corinthians chapter 6, page 1114. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Page 1114. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no need to wait. Now is the day to seal it in your heart. Now is the day to say, Lord, I want my sins forgiven. I want to be cleansed. Now is the day to say, I want to look forward to baptism. I want to look forward to having the Holy Spirit fill my life. Now is the time that I want to join men and women around the world that are keeping God's commandments. Turn to Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22, page 1077. Acts 22, verse 16. And now, why are you waiting? Well, that's a, that's a pointed question, isn't it? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The Lord says, all of heaven is waiting for you to take a stand for Christ. All of heaven is waiting for you. There was a pastor named Dwayne. He was traveling to the village of Nicoloca. I can't even hardly pronounce the name. Nicoloca. It's in Central Africa. He was going there for a baptism. And in that village, he met several people who had prepared to be baptized. In fact, they had waited almost a year for the pastor to come. The pastor told them the next day he would be there for the baptism. And the next day when the pastor got there, after having a large baptism in another area, some of the people that were planning to be baptized were at a village in the forest cutting trees. They thought it was the following day that the pastor was going to be there for their baptism. They had the days mixed up. The pastor went ahead, the candidates who were there were examined and they were baptized. Praise the Lord. The hour became very late and the pastor had to leave. He had to go on to a distant village that very night. And as he was finishing baptizing the last person, several of those ladies came out of the forest and when they saw what was happening, they said, oh, we misunderstood. We want to be baptized too. The pastor had a schedule to keep. It was getting late. He says, I'm so sorry, I need to go on to the next village. Next time we're here, I come back, we'll have another baptism. Remember, they had waited a year. A lady named Bertha and her friends, they felt terrible. They were looking forward to this day. And as the pastor drove away in the Land Rover, she and her friend began to walk. Because they knew that in the forest, a large tree had fallen across the road that the pastor had to travel on. And they figured that when the pastor got to that tree, he was going to have to turn around and come back. And he would see them walking. And then they could, he could stop and baptize them. 
But my friends, the pastor didn't have to stop because someone had cut the tree up, cleared the road, moved it aside. And the pastor kept driving on to the next village. And when Bertha and her friend got to that spot, they saw the tree was gone and they were crestfallen. But they were not deterred. They kept walking. They walked over 18 miles in that long night. The next morning at sunrise, they arrived at the village where the pastor was sleeping, and they knocked on his door. The pastor was amazed to see Bertha and her friend, who then explained that they had walked all night long so they could be baptized. The pastor says, you must tell me, why would you walk all night long to be baptized? Bertha responded with words the pastor will never forget. Bertha said, Pastor, I am so sick and tired of this old world. I want to go home and see Jesus. My friends, it's a powerful story. It's a story that's happening all over the world this very moment. People are choosing their sides. They're making their decisions for Christ. I want you to think Do you sense tonight a decision for you? Do you sense that God is calling you? Are you sick and tired? How many of you are sick and tired of this world? Amen. Do you want to say, Lord, I want to make a decision for you? I want to look forward to being baptized. Do you sense tonight that God is calling you? Do you sense that he's leading you to a decision? You say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you all the way in Bible truth, in the Bible baptism. I want to follow you, Lord, and you alone. I want to stand for you publicly. I want to be part of the thousands, the millions around the world. You may be a young person. You may be an old person. It doesn't matter. Now is your time for decision. You've been studying your Bible. You've been learning truths. You've been coming to the meetings. This is the time to make a decision. Perhaps you've slipped away from God's path. This is the time to make a decision. My friends, this is a wonderful opportunity to say, Lord, I want to be baptized. I want my sins to be cleansed. I want to start life anew. Now, I know some people are thinking, I want to be baptized, but I'm not good enough yet. Others hesitate because they have some problem in their life. But the song says, just as I am, I come to thee. Amen? Perhaps you've never been baptized the Bible way. Why not make a decision for Jesus tonight? His peace, his power, his cleansing, his joy will flood into your soul. Is that your desire? Is that your deepest desire? Perhaps you've been baptized and you've slipped away. You've wandered off course and God is calling you back tonight. This is the time to respond to the Spirit. This is the time to return to the Lord. If you have been baptized before, but in this series you've discovered new truth, perhaps you've discovered the fullness of God's truth, and now you want to be part of God's commandment-keeping people, it is decision time for you. My friends are going to hand out some cards. They're like cards like we handed out last week. And I want you, my friends, 
to reflect, to think about how much Jesus loves you. And I want you to pray to Jesus. I want you to think about him. I want you to think about your own path, your own life, your own walk. It's decision time. It's time to pick a side. Look at your cards. Number one, despite the difficulties in my life, I believe in the righteousness of Christ to deliver me and create in me a clean heart. If that is your wish, check that box. Number two, I understand that Bible baptism is by immersion only and a symbol of surrender to Christ, death to sin, and resurrection to a new life with Him. If you have accepted this lesson tonight from the Bible on what baptism really is, check that box. Number three, trusting in His power to save me, I choose tonight to fully commit my life to Him and be baptized. Number four, perhaps you've been baptized before, but you desire to be rebaptized as a recommitment to Him and an expression of your restored relationship with Him. Chapter number four. Number five, if you have a question about baptism, write it on the back. I promise you I will see them. I will answer them. I can answer them in one-on-one. I can answer them in front of the group. You tell me on the card. Be sure to put your name on the card. My friends, God is calling you tonight. There's no better time than now to decide for Christ. There's no better time to seal your decision for Jesus. There's no better time than to pick your side, to demonstrate your allegiance, to accept the Bible and the Bible only as the guide of your life. But most of all, to accept Jesus' sacrifice and to follow his lead into the waters of baptism. I'm going to make a call, a call of commitment. If it is your desire tonight to be baptized, if it is your desire tonight to be rebaptized, or even if it's your desire to consider baptism, I want you to stand up. Stand up with me tonight. My friends, you're not standing up for me. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about Jesus. If you want to be baptized into the fellowship of the Lord, stand up and please come forward. Join me up here so we can have a special prayer for you tonight. My friends, maybe some of you are wrestling with this decision. The Lord is calling you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's wrestling with you. He wants you to join his family. My friends, surrender. Submit. Bow to the Lord of heaven. And he will forgive your sins. He will cleanse your heart. Most of all, he will give you the power of the Holy Spirit. He will start you on a new path and on a new life. My friends, please join me in a word of prayer for these dear souls. Dear Heavenly and Merciful Father, Lord, we just thank you for your love and your mercy. And Lord, we ask for a special prayer tonight for these dear souls that have made a commitment. They've made a proclamation. They made a declaration for you tonight. And Lord, they stand here for all to see, but most of all for all of heaven to see that they want to choose your path, that they want to choose your family. 
They want to come into your family. They want to join you through Bible baptism. And Lord, we know, according to your word and your promise, that all of heaven rejoices tonight. All of heaven smiles upon these dear souls. And we say, Lord, God bless you. God bless us. God bless these dear souls who have made a decision for you. And Lord, there may be others in the group tonight that are considering baptism and they're wrestling with a decision. They're wrestling with a choice. And Lord, I just ask you to please continue to contend with their heart, to call them, to whisper, to plead with them, to draw them into your loving embrace, to reveal the truth to them so they see that the only true path is your path. Lord, I want to commit these dear souls that have committed to you to your loving arms tonight. I want you to protect them as we know you will. Draw them unto you. Show them the new path. Give them the power of the Holy Spirit as they enter into fellowship with you and your family. Lord, please keep us all safe. Protect us all. Bring us back to these meetings as we continue to open your truths and open your Bible. Give us the blessing. Most of all, continue to feed us the truth. Lord, we ask this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. All three of you.